live to tape. Welcome to Millennial, episode 404. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Unfortunately, Elisa could not join us this week. But, um, man, I could understand why. I'm still recovering from something I told Elisa. And I think she's still recovering from it, too. (sighs) (laughs) Something really bad happened a couple days ago, you guys. I so I was in Orlando this past weekend and I spent it with our friend of the show, former co-host, uh, current MuggleCast co-host, Micah. Uh we had separate hotel rooms and it was a nice weekend. We spent uh two nights down in Orlando. Well, I come back Sunday night, I'm exhausted, I pass out pretty quick. And I have a dream that night. I had a dream that I had sex with Micah. My dream was I was bottoming for Micah with my legs up in the air and Micah was over top of me, penetrating me, making no faces whatsoever. I just remember his face. It was so clear. It was his skin looked so good. And he was fucking me. And I woke up, and, and I didn't remember it immediately, but a couple hours later I did. And I immediately went over to our Facebook group. I was like, you guys, you guys, oh my God. <laughs> I was so disgusted by myself. What does this mean, you guys? I, I'm not means- attracted to him, am I? No. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I've had sex dreams about all of you. Hmm. You know what? That would be so, Micah, to do the missionary position. <laughs> He would get his dick in, but he wouldn't touch you. And, and Micah, for the record, is straight. I want everybody to know. And I, I haven't told him this yet because I feel like he would really freak out. But you would never know. That's the thing about Micah is you never really know what he's thinking or feeling. Yeah. Because it's always that deadpan appearance that he gives. Well, yeah. And I mean, even in the dream, he wasn't even emoting. It was just, Was he you looking know, at you in the eye? Yes. He was looking straight into my eyes. I was just like, oh, why would I dream that? I, 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 I legitimately don't think I've ever had a sex dream about someone who I didn't want to have sex with. This was probably the first time. Oh, you know what? I've had, I've had dreams where, like, I've had sex dreams about, like, some of my coworkers or the people that, you know, are close to me. And then even if it's just for, like, a day, usually it's, like, a very short amount of time. Like, I have still, like, this, like, like... Uh, feeling that I want to have sex with them still, or that there's like just a hint of attraction that I don't get. And it's probably like the afterglow of the dream or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just had to mention that to our listeners since you all know Micah. I'm hoping to not have one of those again. But anyway. Um, Andrew, I mm-hmm. just wanted to read you something. So I just Googled what do sex dreams mean? And what I got was interpretations of sexual dreams. In many cases, dreaming of sex isn't really about sex. 
From a psychological perspective, dreams about having sex may symbolize the merging of contrasting aspects of yourself. What? <laughs> or, or a need to incorporate aspects of your dream sex partner into yourself. <laughs> I need parts of Micah in me? Is that why I was bottoming for him? Apparently. Accepting I, his no. seed? You were in Orlando. You were going to the Harry Potter theme park. Harry Potter has a very close uh, attachment to towards you. You have a feeling towards it. So you were probably just so excited that in your dreams you wanted to fuck or get fucked. Yes. I agree. <sighs> anyway, let's move on. Did anybody watch the State of the Union on Tuesday night? Uh, I did not. But I did listen... I'd rather just listen to NPR the next day and just hear the cliff notes. Yeah. I uh, I didn't watch it last night uh, because, you know, I didn't want to hate my life last night. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch it today. Okay. Uh, to catch up. And so I would be able to talk about it on the show. Um, it was, it was, I will say props to whoever the speechwriter was, because if you weren't paying attention to what Trump was actually saying, he he sounded like almost moderately sane. Yeah. Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still did and said some things that were pretty, pretty disturbing. Namely, the idea that um, federal agencies should be allowed to fire employees that like aren't gung ho on the America is number one train. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Wait, oh, cool. Yeah. So you're talking about Robert Mueller. Yeah. Yeah, that was disturbing, wasn't it? And there continues yeah. to be rumors that he might try to fire Mueller. Um, I l- watched part of the speech. I was out for a little bit. And then, of course, I'm taking a lift home. And I was, like, in a good mood. I had a good meeting with somebody. And, you know, the lift driver's listening to it in the car. I'm like, oh, my God. I You know, this is just killing my mood. But so then I tuned into a little bit of it back at home. And then I read the New York Times fact check, and that was actually pretty interesting to read. Um, You know, a lot of the stuff that he said needed more context. Some of it was just flat out false. Some of it was sort of true. So it was interesting to read everything from a fact check perspective. And I would encourage people to look at the New York Times' analysis because it cuts through the bullshit and just gives you the truth it was it it was so there were times though where it was so obvious that he had no input on the speech because he would on certain words he would get really excited and emphasize because it's like something that he recognizes like when he was talking about uh immigration and gangs like ms-13 when he said ms-13 he got so excited when he said it because it's like a hot button for him, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he did generally seem kind of bored as he spoke. But like Laura said, this whoever wrote the speech did a very good job. The end was actually kind of moving. And the way he worked in Make America Great Again, which actually I actually thought was kind of beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they took this as an opportunity to uh, try and have him unite people outside of his base um, because as we all know, he has the lowest approval rating ever in the history of presidents during their first year. Yeah. So they really needed to come, they needed to come out swinging strong with this speech because him appealing to his base 
in this speech wasn't going to do anything for him. And they're already looking forward to reelection. Um, so certain things like him going from like, we're going to kick all the dreamers out to, by the way, we're actually going to expand amnesty <laughs> to 1.8 million people. That's not something that his base is terribly happy about. Right. It, it's, it's completely contradictory to what he promised in his campaign, but he still got his wall bullshit. So I feel like he still had enough bones to throw for his base. Um, But overall, I mean, it was, it was the same old bullshit. It was parading um, people who have been through horrific things that most of us cannot even begin to comprehend in front of the camera for sympathy points to try and bolster support for his agenda. Uh, bringing out yeah. grieving parents of children who were murdered by gang members as an appeal to the American people uh, for for support for a border wall, because clearly all immigrants coming in are members of MS-13, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's and, just more of the same old bullshit. And the parents of the son who was effectively murdered in North Korea. Right. Um, you know, seeing them, it was a very emotional moment. But... And, you know, he was throwing the North Korea bone to his supporters as well, saying they need to have the biggest military, have the biggest, uh, we need to have the biggest nuclear arsenal so that we can fight North Korea. And then he shows this North Korean refugee who basically went, you know, escaped to North Korea or and then went over to China and was on crutches the whole time or something. And Trump was getting at, you know, he escaped this horrible country. Uh, look at what a great guy this is. Um, he was looking to a better life. And it's like, this seems That's, hypocritical because yeah. why do you want to keep the people of Mexico out? Why do you think they are escaping their country? Because like North Korea, Mexico, a lot of areas are crappy and they're coming to America for a better life. So this North Korean refugee story just did not uh, work for me. No, no. I mean, I would argue that the reasons for North Koreans uh, defecting are pretty different, different from the yeah. reasons that Mexicans come here. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I had another point I was going to make, and I don't remember. Go ahead. Well, that's all I had to say about this. Um, if you remember it, bring it up later. Because yeah, we yeah. love bringing up Well, Trump. I mean, he did take credit for the lowest unemployment rate for the African-American community. Yes. This is what I was going to bring up. Thank you, Matt. So the other thing that really bothered me about this was he brought that up. He brought up low unemployment rates for Hispanic Americans, and he was also parading owners of small businesses out, talking about how this last year has been great for small business, as though his first year in office where he didn't accomplish fucking anything. Let's just make that clear. There was like nothing done in 2017 that was substantial they're still riding off of the obama economy (laughs) and taking full credit for it it's like yeah after eight years of somebody competent running the country (laughs) the economy was bound to swing back this was the same thing that happened during the transition from clinton to bush yeah bush got credit for a booming economy for a couple of years until 9-11 happened and then after that obama had to come in and clean up bush's mess yeah Mm-hmm. Well, and then Trump was taking credit for creating new jobs. Uh, since the election, we've created 2.4 million new jobs, including 200,000 new jobs in manufacturing alone, he said. Um, this is correct, 
but it was Obama who put them on his on this path. And in fact, the economy has added about 169,000 jobs a month since the election. But that is actually somewhat less than the 185,000 jobs uh, under Obama's economy. So, you know, he's actually not doing as good of a job as Trump did. And we'll see where this number goes over the years ahead. But yeah, Obama helped him. You know, he he's bragging about things that Obama brought to him to continue carrying. Right. And I mean, the true reflection of the Trump economy is not going to be 2017, or I would even argue 2018. No, I don't think that we're going to start seeing the real effects of this play out until next year. So I would just be I would be really dubious of anybody who tries to claim that the second that the Trump administration took over, the economy just all of a sudden got great. It got great again, guys. Look, Mm -hmm. it's like that's that's not how this shit works. But that's how that's how Trump's administration works. Like they know very well that he's not responsible for this. They are not responsible for this, but they're going to tap into it and milk it for all they can before everything else starts to happen. Well, yeah, that's what they're counting on with this tax reform bill, because um, if you've gone and used any kind of tax calculator, you'll see that this year you're probably getting a little bit of a tax cut. Um, I know that I'm going to be paying a couple hundred dollars less in taxes this year. um, And for the next decade or so, if this tax bill, um, remains as is. But what a lot of people aren't considering is that at the end of that 10-year period, that all goes away and your taxes get hiked right back up to where they were in 2017. But corporations get to maintain their tax cut. Private individuals do not. Mm-hmm. So really, this is kind of a band-aid for them to be able to look and point and say, hey, we saved you a couple thousand dollars. Yeah but we're just going to take it away in a few years, probably when the Democrats are in charge so they can get blamed for it. Yeah. Well, one person we're never going to see give a State of the Union is Oprah Winfrey. She has ruled out running for president. Thank Um, God. There was a lot of hype around the idea after her speech during the Golden Globes earlier this month, but now in an interview with InStyle, She says, I've always felt very secure and confident with myself in knowing what I could and what I could not do. And so it's not something that interests me. I don't have the DNA for it. So, yeah, I think I think all of us here are pretty relieved by this. But remember, earlier this month, people were obsessed with this idea. And it's just, no, we don't. Like I said at the time, we don't need another celebrity uh, competing for the presidency. Yeah. I just wish that um, Trump had been this self-aware. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he really (laughs) apparently wanted it for some reason that we still can't figure out. No, I think he wanted to run for president. I don't think he actually wanted to be president. Uh, That that too. I actually started reading a good chunk of uh, Fire and Fury and like nobody expected him to be president. They were all ready to move on with their lives. I'm referring to the Trump campaign. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see it. You could see it in his face. The first reaction shot that they got of Trump when he realized he was going to win. The look on his face was like, holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) A little more entertainment news. And then we'll get back to some politics and some unfortunately sad. Well, I think it's sad entertainment news. Um, So... 
the story broke today. There are these new comments from David Yates, the director of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. He has confirmed that Dumbledore's sexuality will, quote, not explicitly be in the second movie. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, A, we're all, we all grew up on Harry Potter here. B, J.K. Rowling outed Dumbledore in 2007 as gay. And she went on to say that Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald, but Grindelwald did not feel the same way. So, this film series is leading up to the epic battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Dumbledore is going to become a significant character beginning in this new film out this November. It seems very strange and it is very frustrating that they are continuing to kick Dumbledore's sexuality uh, down the road and maybe get into it later on. But one of the most infuriating remarks here by David Yates, and he screwed up before, by the way, about uh, Johnny Depp. He just needs to stop talking. Um, he's, David Yates said, I think all the fans are aware of that, referring to Dumbledore being gay. He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men. They fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other. End quote. Yeah, but just because we knew it, we already know it, doesn't mean you shouldn't address it in the movie. He should be openly gay in the movie. It should be addressed. Why does the, what, what started this whole relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald? Apparently, we're not going to know the truth. I'm guessing Dumbledore is going to decide to tell Newt a couple films from now. Sit down, Harry. I'm going to tell you everything. And finally come clean about loving Grindelwald. But why not now? We've waited long enough. I've done my time in Azkaban. I always thought that Dumbledore saw his sexuality as so unimportant. Because um, we didn't find out he was, he was gay until J.K. Rowling announced it. It's unimportant in the Harry Potter books, Yes. But in this story, it matters because these two are going to be at odds with one another. What I don't understand about it is what he means by explicitly stated. I don't think that anybody was asking for or expecting Dumbledore to like walk up to Newt and be like, hey, Newt, guess what? And pull like a pride flag out of his (laughs) fucking robes. I don't think that's what anyone wanted, but it it is a significant part of his characterization in this particular story arc. So there are definitely ways that they could weave that in with good storytelling so that it's maybe not necessarily explicitly stated, but clearly heavily implied yeah, so that the viewer like, can that tell that. And I, I don't understand why it would even, I don't understand why his remarks about this are relevant. Like why is he coming out now and being like, yeah, we're not going to talk about the whole gay thing. It's not really that big of a deal. Well, it's like, like actually know, it is fantastic. Well, it, uh, JK Rowling has had a problem deal. with actually practicing what she preaches. She preaches include inclusivity. She practices preaches equality but like it's never really been in her books and then cursed child came out in 2016 and it was so damn obvious that albus and scorpius were gay for each other and 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 it got no homo at the end when scorpius and rose kissed rose wasn't in this damn story at all and then suddenly you know they have like an interest in one another and then you know there was so much backlash around that i really thought that by this movie with dumbledore being introduced this, as somebody put it, she was serving it up on a silver platter. It's teed up, J.K. Rowling, now hit it out of the park. And yeah. apparently we have to wait even longer. I guess now we're waiting until 2020 to maybe get a hint. 
And then my mm-hmm. final point I want to make on this is that it's very possible that Warner Brothers slash J.K. Rowling are mindful of the fact that this could hurt box office revenue by, by um, revealing his sexuality, particularly in a place like China, where they would easily censor that type of thing. Uh, I think so, I think that probably would have been a, a an argument that holds some water maybe 15 years ago. But now I think the exact opposite would happen, especially well, at least in this in Western culture. Well, yes, yeah, China, I'm talking about they they yeah, they censor China's films. a big market now. Yeah, they do control a lot of Hollywood. Yeah, uh, but, but China doesn't necessarily censor like it doesn't refuse to show movies like this in its dubbed versions it will tend to change things like this so Mm -hmm. i could see china perhaps taking this kind of storyline and just changing it so that they're really really close friends instead of the gay thing Mm -hmm. yeah which wouldn't hurt box office numbers over there yeah, I'm I mean, not expecting like entirely like, separate discussion, but I'm not expecting like Dumbledore when he when he shows himself for the first time, be like, "Hi." I'm I'm ju- I'm just I just really thought now was the time. I th- I thought we were in a better place by now. I thought J.K. Rowling could have done this now, and she's not. And it's it's really upsetting to be honest. I've I've been in a sour mood this afternoon. I need to stop thinking about it, and I need to. Stop being so disappointed in Harry Potter recently. I still love it. I still love reading it. I still love thinking about it. But my God, Johnny Depp, Cursed Child, Dumbledore Gay being delayed. It's just, ugh. Yeah. I know, Andrew. I was talking to you shortly before we recorded tonight. And I was like, gosh, like, in thinking about the next Fantastic Beast movie, I was like, I still want to see it. Because Johnny Depp is one person amongst a series of people who are bringing this together. And I don't think those people should be penalized for Johnny Depp's bad behavior. So I was like, what I'm planning on doing is I'm going to see the movie, but I will donate the equivalent of my ticket cost to a women's shelter. And now I'm like, okay. And then Andrew was like, well, now you're going to have to do the Trevor project. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, God knows what else is coming out. Like whatever the fuck is going to come out of David Yates mouth next. I'm going to end up spending like 40 or $50 see this goddamn movie right i, I would say, rather just give the money to charity and not see the movie at all yeah um i'm actually i i will probably dare to say that i'm a little bit glad that we're not seeing like a romance between dumbledore and grindelwald because with the many talents that jk rowling has as an author i don't think romance is one of her strong suits she, I, yeah. I, I, I just I do not I cannot tell you one single uh, romantic relationship in the Harry Potter series that I thought was authentic or it made sense. Yeah, but I don't even think that a romance has to be portrayed between these characters. I don't think that showing a romance between them is relevant to the story. What is relevant is that Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald, which explains him following in Grindelwald's footsteps and having these sort of Nazi-esque thoughts for a period of his youth. Mm-hmm. Is this Mugglecast? Or which, which I know, but, but what I'm saying is like we don't <laughs> have to see a romance. No, 
No, it would not have to be a romance. And honestly, I, I don't. I ever since Johnny Depp was cast, I was very uninterested in that. I do not want to see Johnny Depp getting gay at all. Yeah, I, he's repulsive I was, to me. I, I was totally up for like a sex scene until I knew jo- Johnny Depp was in it. Johnny Depp is so ugly now. He looks better as Captain Jack Sparrow. Like I think Captain Jack Sparrow looks hotter than real life Johnny Depp. That's how bad I, he's gotten. Listen, when Pirates of the Caribbean first came out, I thought he was super hot as Jack Sparrow. <laughs> you had a Jack Sparrow doll on your desk, didn't you? I did. Like and that? a blanket. Oh, wow. It was and like a, a weight or something. It was and great. And a blanket. Yeah, oh, I used to joke around. I was like, yeah, I have this blanket so I can say I sleep under Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting you a blanket with my face on it. <laughs> oh, I would listen. I've thrown away all the Johnny Depp stuff at this point, but <laughs> I, w- I would sleep under an Andrew Sims blanket. Uh, plot right. twist: I'm actually that Irish woman that married a 300 year old pirate ghost <laughs> ah, named Jack. Of course, you reveal that this while Elisa's not here. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise for her. So uh, we have some more news to get to. But first, Millennial will be welcoming advertisers to the show this year. We'll be talking about products that we've tried ourselves and love. And our first sponsor is BioClarity. This is a great product for those of you who are looking to find the right skincare routine, especially as we kick off a new year and you want to create a better you. I myself have always struggled (laughs) with acne. (laughs) It's always been hard for me to get it under control. But a couple weeks ago, I received BioClarity's three-step regime, and I'm loving it so far. They promise early results in as little as two weeks and greater results several weeks later. And so far, even two weeks in, I'm seeing clear skin. So I'm very happy with this. And Laura, you've been trying it too, right? Yeah, I have. And I have to say, like I've never really struggled with acne. Um, I've been lucky in that department. But what I do struggle with are blackheads. All across mm. the bridge of my nose. It's literally like the rocky fucking mountains <laughs> up in here. It's just, it's so annoying and it makes applying my makeup difficult because it doesn't apply evenly over that section. And so I've been using this and I, I'm always dubious of skincare programs because I've never had any success with any of them. But this legitimately started clearing out my blackheads. Even my mom recently was looking at me and she goes, your skin looks really clear. And she had no idea that I was even using this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what makes BioClarity different is that there's no harsh chemicals, unlike traditional acne treatments. Um, BioClarity is packed with clarifying botanicals and something new called Floralux that doesn't irritate your skin. And Floralux is an ingredient derived from chlorophyll. That's the green stuff plants need. So it's clean and green and never mean to your skin. It comes directly to you in an easy-to-use three-step skincare regime. Uh, step one's cleanse. Step two, treat. Step three, restore. Twice a day will get you great results in a month's time. Start the new year with a healthy habit and get glowing, clear skin. Just go to bioclarity.com. Millennial listeners will get their first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping. That's a $20 savings, and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. But you need to enter our code, M-I-L. That's bioclarity.com, and enter our code, M-I-L. What else is going on in the news, Laura? So we were just talking about um, J.K. Rowling and and largely the the 
the Harry Potter movies or the Fantastic Beast movies getting ready to make a huge exclusion of something pretty important from their story. Um, and we're getting ready to dive into something political that's like this. So the Trump administration has elected not to implement the Russian sanctions bill that passed with overwhelming bipartisan support last summer. Oh, great. Uh, just a reminder, the sanctions bill would have imposed penalties against those doing business with Moscow's defense and intelligence sectors. Their reasoning for not implementing these sanctions is that the bill is already serving as, quote, a deterrent. The State Department also put out a statement saying that the legislation has already caused foreign governments to abandon several billion dollars in Russian defense acquisitions. Now, the big (sighs) point that I want to drive home here is that this bill was intended to serve as a punishment, not a deterrent. It was a punishment for Russian interference in the 2016 election. For what we know has already happened. Yes, and for what's continuing to happen. Yeah. The other thing is shortly after the administration decided not to implement these sanctions, CIA Director Mike Pompeo stated that Russia hasn't really done much to scale back its election interference efforts. So we know that they haven't done anything to scale this back. And we're like, yeah, I mean, we kind of already see that it's acting as a deterrent. Mm. Which is it? I... It is scary that this administration just shrugs off the Russian interference, especially now when we have a new election coming up later this year. They are meddling in our in in our elections. This is so sacred to us, something we've always held so proudly. And, and Republicans, particularly the Trump administration, is just like, nah, let a mess. And why? Because they got Trump the win. And so Trump doesn't care, slash he's, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want to acknowledge that there was meddling because then that affects the... Legitimacy. Legitimacy. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking of, of I, uh, his presidency. I think one of the most dangerous things about this, too, though, um, in, re- in relation to the GOP downplaying the Russian meddling or just trying to stop talking about it, is that they, it, it makes the public think that this was just a one-time thing. But it hasn't stopped. We've, we are constantly fighting against Russian hackers in our system on a daily basis. It's not, it wasn't just for the election, for the 2016 presidential, presidential election. It was, it, it's happening every day. Right. And these sanctions were not only intended to address meddling in U.S. elections, but meddling in other countries' elections, as well as Russia's meddling in the Ukraine. It's so sad. Everything's so sad. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, this particular story got buried in the news cycle because it got buried in State of the Union. It got buried in Trump going from like, we're going to kick all the dreamers out to, hey, we're actually going to keep 1.8 billion or million people, excuse me, and grant them amnesty. And I truly believe that moves like that were made to cover this shit up. Uh, All right. Well, on some other news, for those of you who watch Glee, I remember Mark Sailing. He played Puck on the show. Um, He has died at the age of 35 35 after an apparent suicide. Um, Now, he had some very serious charges against him that he was going to be sentenced for in March. He was expected to be sentenced to four to seven years in jail as part of a plea deal 
after being uh, after being in possession of ch- child pornography, particularly over fifty thousand images of underage children on his computer. So this guy did something that was very bad, and he rightfully was going to jail for it. Here's the thing that has not sat right with me, though. So this guy killed himself. I don't yes. think killing yourself is ever the answer. But a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, good, one less creep in the world. Thank God he's gone. Good riddance. Stuff like that. Just showing no sympathy. I, I, and I've seen people get mad at people who are like, oh, how dare you feel sorry that he killed himself. I mean, can't we feel Fuck bad you. for his life? I, I just like the fact that yeah. his life was so tragic and that the Glee community has lost somebody else now. It's I just find it incredibly sad that he felt like he had to kill himself, that he had no other way out. Yeah, I mean, this is all about something that uh, the Internet in particular seems to struggle with doing, which is accepting multiple truths. Mm-hmm. Right. He was clearly a scumbag for what he did here, but he had friends and family who cared about him and all of all of those people plus his colleagues are the ones having to deal with the aftermath of his committing suicide. So not only were they suffering from watching this public takedown of him, which he, I mean, totally deserved for what he did, mm-hmm. but now they're having to reckon with that in conjunction with his death. So, yes, it is possible to look at something like this and say he was a disgusting human being. And I don't particularly think that the world is going to be lacking without him in it. But it is still also sad Yeah, what happened. Yeah, Thank you. I'm glad you agree. And I also feel bad for his family, his yes. friends. I-, I stalked his Instagram after he died. I like looking at final tweets and final posts and stuff like that. And he had a nice post with his mom. And I'm like, oh, that poor woman. It's First she had to deal with his like pedophilia and now dealing with her son killing himself it's just terrible and this wasn't the only time he tried apparently like he tried multiple times before this yeah last year he had cut himself and then panicked and called his roommate and uh emergency services so though i would i would like to see as much attention being given to his victims i mean obviously as far as we know he never directly assaulted a child but by right. viewing child pornography you are part of the problem and boy this put me off from familydick.com i'll tell you that much thank no, god <laughs> no you're probably on an that. fbi watch list yeah i know i was thinking about i was like ew okay this is weird after the mark sailing thing um all right final news story today laura yeah um so speaking of something that you really don't want to catch Uh, The season's flu outbreak in the U.S. is the worst that we've seen in a decade. Mm. It's not quite as bad as the swine flu, which we all remember from 2009. I think we actually talked about that on a former podcast of ours. Um, But this year's strain, uh, H3N2, has been circulating for about 50 years at this point. So that's some of the reason for the panic. Um, because this particular strain has been around for such a long time, you would think that we would be able to deal with it a little bit better than we are now. Yeah. What's really unusual here is that baby boomers are actually more likely to be hospitalized than their infant grandchildren right oh. now. 
Um, just to give you some statistics here, four times as many people have been hospitalized on the West Coast as normal, and mortality rates nationwide are set to surpass 2014 to 2015 levels for, for influenza. So first question I want to ask, did we all get vaccinated? Yes. Flu season? Mm-hmm. I did as well. Um It's a little bit scary right now because there is a vaccine shortage because people are panicking. Um, Even though it's so late in the season, um, the Centers for Disease Control is still recommending that people get the shot anyway. So if you're trying to find a place or if your doctor doesn't have any doses, you can go to vaccinefinder.org to see if you can find a clinic near you that still has the vaccine. Um, And I know that the CDC is also trying to help expedite more doses of the vaccine to get out there. So definitely get vaccinated if you can. Uh, If you have paid sick leave, please don't go to work if you think you're sick. I just can't believe how, um, how many people die from the flu these days. Yeah. Like you would think we would be able to completely prevent it. Um, In 2014, 2015, flu season 56,000 people in America died that's crazy that's crazy and and that those numbers are similar to what the numbers for this season are going to end up looking like mm-hmm. so yeah man. and the thing that really sucks about it is a lot of those people who end up dying for the flu are people who ha- who are immunocompromised and can't have the flu shot themselves. So these are people who demand uh, or who depend on um, herd immunity. So it's on all of us who are healthy enough to have the vaccine to get it so that we can protect the people who can't. What, what do you what do you say to the people who argue that you should get the flu every once in a while, though, to keep up your immune system? That's bullshit. Why? Because your immune system is kept up by being healthy and also by catching other lesser viruses throughout the year that aren't as likely to kill you. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying this is like, that is a common. Oh argument. yeah. It's right up there with people who are like, every time I get the flu shot, I get the flu. It's yeah. like, well, that's you what know. you're, well, essentially that's what you're doing. When you get the flu shot, they're injecting you with a, a trace of the flu virus. Right. When they're injecting you, though, they're giving you a dead virus. Um, So, yeah, you may have some flu-like symptoms as a result of that, but actually getting the injection is not giving you the flu. It is possible to get the vaccine and still end up getting the flu later um, because really when they're coming up with the vaccine, it's kind of a crapshoot. They have to work to try and figure out which strain of the flu is going to be going around that year. So if they get it wrong, it's entirely possible. Um, as a matter of fact, last year I got the flu shot and I still ended up getting the flu a few months later. Ugh. But I've only had the flu twice in my life. Every, you know, I've always been vaccinated for it. Amber listening live on Patreon points out, so the reason you need a new flu shot every year is because the virus changes. It's not like the chicken pox vaccine that you get once as a kid and you're fine for life. Exactly. All right. Everybody get vaccinated. Wash your damn hands and just don't go outside. Just play it safe. Stay inside like me. Play Nintendo. I have two numbers for you two this week. First one. Americans are getting this 
much more sleep every night compared to 2003. I'll give you a hint. It's, it's under 60 minutes. How many more minutes sleep every night are Americans getting compared to 2003? Um, 20. 12. Somewhere in the middle. It's 18, but it's still not enough. <laughs> no. Nope. Experts say. It's not enough. If we only got more sleep, we would then see we would actually perform better and would probably be more creative and more productive during the day, said Dr. Matthias Basner, the Associate Professor of Sleep and Chronobiology and Psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania. <gasps> what a long title. <clears throat> um, I, how are your two sleep habits these days? Do you feel like you get enough sleep or what? Um, I don't. I absolutely don't. I get. Why is that, Matt? I get five to six hours of sleep. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, I usually wake up around six or seven because my dog wakes me up to go pee or I mean, just for his morning walk. And then I go to class at eight and then I have like a couple hours to do homework or whatever until I go to work and I don't get home till like midnight or one o'clock. So, um, Coffee helps. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I was in Orlando, the, the girl who checked me in, she's still in high school. And she was telling me how she works a full-time job and is in school almost full-time. She has, like, no free time at all. And, cause, and the reason she told me that was because she was like, oh, I'm so tired. It was, like, the middle of the day. It was 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, my gosh. People got to get their shit together. I yeah, one thing I pride myself on, I have anxiety, but I sleep pretty well. I have no problem falling asleep by eleven or midnight so long as my neighbor's TV is off. And I get up around eight. So I get a solid eight. Laura, you've always kept your sleep schedule pretty uh you've you've taken it seriously, right? Yeah, I have to. Um, because I also struggle with anxiety and uh, the thing that usually will trigger off my anxiety is if I'm not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, this I noticed this when I was in grad school. I was like, Matt, I was only getting about five hours of sleep a night. And I was a mess. I was just like, I, I, I wasn't thinking clearly and I wasn't functioning uh, at peak levels. So after I finished grad school, I promised myself that I'm going to make getting enough rest a priority. Um, so I do try to get eight hours every night. I don't always succeed. Um, anything less than six hours, I can definitely feel it. And I know that at the end of the day, the best thing I can do for myself is go home and just go to bed early to try and make up for it. Because if I go for weeks at a time like that, it's fucking miserable. I just can't operate on that little sleep. All right. Number, number two. <laughs> Number number two. Hmm. Changes, changes Facebook has made over the past few weeks, including less viral videos and more post, personal posts, have resulted in this many less hours spent on Facebook worldwide. So I'm looking, at, looking for the total number of hours less spent on Facebook Ooh. worldwide. We've spoken over the past couple of weeks of how, about how Facebook has been making changes to the news feed. Spread less fake news. 800,000. 
I'm going to say 1 million. You're both very wrong. 50 million fewer what? hours a day are spent Good. on Facebook. I know. And I just take up 49 million of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, they are showing less viral videos in the feed and showing more personal posts. And I guess less publisher posts as well. Um, Zuckerberg revealed this on an earnings call this week. Um, and I don't know. I guess they seem kind of proud of it in a weird way. <laughs> he didn't say it was a problem necessarily. <laughs> well, yeah, think, he wants to assuage yeah. his guilt over Facebook's role in the 2016 exactly. election. <laughs> right. People are spending less time on Facebook, so they spend less time reading fake news and memes. I don't know if I'm I'm overthinking it, but I feel like since Facebook has announced those changes over the past few weeks, um, I've seen more negative comments in the New York Times and other liberal posts. Have you guys seen? Have you guys noticed that? I make it a practice not to read the comments. Yeah, because it's just it doesn't do anything for you. Like literally, I feel like when you go and read those comments, it just inspires you to go troll hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, to like try and bait these people and figure out what makes them tick. And I just, I don't have the time or the patience. I usually love looking at the comments so long as they affirm my views. So like normally I could trust the New York Times comment section to shit on Trump more in response to an article that shits on Trump. But now I see more pro-Trump supporters in there. And I feel like it's a change to the algorithm that's caused this. I don't know. Anyway, it's time now for Surprise Bitch. Well? Kelly? Uh-huh. Hey, Surprise Bitch, it's Millennial. What's up? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi. I know. Hi. 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 How oh, are my you? God. I was so sure that I was blacklisted from Surprise Bitch. Why? Because... I'm a Republican. <gasps> Ooh. We wouldn't blacklist you for that. Yeah, what? what? No. But this is interesting because huh? I think this is the first Republican listener we've spoken to. So tell us, why do you listen to Millennial? Well, I started listening. Shut up. My husband's laughing at me. <laughs> I started listening to MuggleCast, of course. Mm-hmm. And I did Smart Mouse and Imprint. I mean... I've been here for the whole time. Thank you. So, so you've really totally, put up with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you should be open to everyone's view and everybody has their say. So I'm okay with hearing different viewpoints. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the one thing you think we get wrong about the president? Or not get wrong. Uh, or not uh, just. Or need to shut up about argue it. with. I mean, I think it's just like the whole everybody that is a Republican or is a conservative, like, is horrible and is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, we do give off that vibe. Well, I mean, and I probably give off that vibe too sometimes when I'm talking about liberals. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like, I mean, I know that some people might not agree with some of my views, but I'm also not like a horrible person or a redneck although i am from kentucky yeah so no that's cool that's cool yeah all right oh my well, gosh yeah. i really thought no I thought you guess 
How would we even know that you're Republican? I mean, it's not like you put it in the form. No, I know, but I just none of these things are going to call me. Uh, but it just never no, because happened. That's, that's how. She, that's the only reason she can come up with that we haven't called her. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I, I actually, I actually love it because, I, you know, I we've definitely talked about this on the show before. We're definitely, you know, we can be a bit of an echo chamber here, and I think it's really awesome that we do have more conservative listeners out there who don't find us completely objectionable to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think it's valid to say that sometimes uh, we, we do fall into that habit of like lumping people into that uh, so-called basket of deplorables stereotype, which we shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, and it's not just you guys. I think that both parties are, you know, they tend to do that. And a lot of my conservative friends and family members kind of do the same. Oh, a bunch of, you know, liberals and they don't know what's going on. But I mean, I think everyone should try to be open to both sides. And that's the only way that it's not going to be an us versus them thing. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. completely. What's something that um, you, you tend to take a more, uh, I guess, liberal or progressive view on that somebody might not expect of you, given that you identify as a Republican? Um, I'm pro-choice. Uh, for ah, sure. Okay. And, That's a good one. And, yeah, I'm Catholic. Uh, and I'm really like financially, you know, like taxes wise, uh, Republican. My dad's a small business owner. And I see like the amount of taxes they have to pay and people, you know, that kind of thing makes me really conservative as far as that goes, but I'm yeah. definitely pro-choice, you know, okay. it's a woman's choice and yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's very interesting. <laughs> oh, that's like a super heavy topic. Sorry. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's, um, that actually reminds me of Essie Cup and she's one of my favorite Republicans ever. Um, But what you said about the economy and taxes and things like that, I think that was really one of the major themes of the 2016 election is that there are people, particularly small business owners, who are hurting. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I just think, you know, I think it's more people who make lasting social change than presidents. Obviously, they have an impact and they change policy, but I think as people have changed and, you know, we've become more inclusive and, um, you know, with the civil rights movement and stuff, that wasn't one person or one presidency that made things change. I think it's more people. So that's why, even if I don't agree on some of their social policy, I'm more okay with voting for them because I think overall we're still going to keep moving forward as far as that kind of stuff goes. See how nice it is when we sit down and just talk, Republican to Democrat, friend to friend. We could solve all the problems if we just sat down and Mm -hmm. talk. Can we get Congress to do this? (laughs) Right. (laughs) They always talk about we just got to go to the table and we'll settle our differences. So just to wrap this up here then, what did you think of Trump's State of the Union address last night? Honestly, I should have watched it and I didn't. I mean, I agree that he's like, he's totally like nuts. Like, he's way too out there. He needs to rein it in. Yeah. Like, obviously. Yeah. He just like shoots off at the mouth. 
And I don't know why no one's taken his phone. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Like, somebody just take his phone and shut him up. Like, yeah. if he doesn't tweet, like, half of these scandals maybe wouldn't be going on. <laughs> right. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well I uh, think you might actually be pleased with the speech if you watch it because he was pretty subdued for Trump. Yeah, he didn't look at his that, phone once. Well, I, oh, my God. It's a miracle, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I heard it was, like, kind of good, but honestly, like, I'm, I am tired of seeing him because sometimes he does, like, act crazy. And I'm like, if you would just be quiet and let, you know, some of our people, like, do some stuff without just making headlines every day about how the crazy stuff you say, yeah, then we could benefit from having the majority. But it's not really been that way so far. Yep. Right. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. And you guys love Mitch, I'm sure. Mitch McConnell, you know. He's oh, from we Kentucky. love him. He's he's a great turtle. Yeah, he and uh, he and Paul Ryan are some of our favorites. <laughs> I don't know, no, but him seriously, personally. I understand I where you're coming from. It must be really frustrating as a Republican on the outside looking in, being like, "We literally control everything, and yet we can't do anything because of this mm-hmm. jackass." Yeah. No. I mean, he's. I mean, and I'm not afraid to say I did vote for him, um, and I, I'm okay with saying that. And I'll, you guys can say bad things about me when I hang up. If no, you no, no, we uh, won't. We won't. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just, I wouldn't. I'm just not gonna be ashamed to say it. Like I did, and I made that choice based on like financial stuff. I wanted the country to be run like a business. I wanted a businessman in office for a long time, um, so. I did vote for him. I kind of still stand by it. I just wish he would calm down. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, look, as a small business owner myself, I'm eager to see what these tax cuts do. So we'll see. I'm um, already seeing benefits. Are you? Just from the market being up, oh. not from tax stuff. But okay. like, in, I don't want to have like a bunch of investments like my dad does. And I have a little bit. And just this last year, like, exponentially more i mean it's really good so when i can see that immediate kind of difference in my bottom line it makes it hard to not be you know happy with how things are going right right Mm -hmm. and i mean if he can continue to strengthen the economy then by 2020 that's going to be a very good sell for at least his base and and oh my god! Empty. I don't even want to think about that. I don't know how we're going to say that. It's just, I don't know if we can turn it around, but yeah, that's what everyone's been saying. But I have to tell you, Andrew, my mom loves you. Oh, like so much. Really? Why was she a listener yes. too? Is a listener too? When I was in high school and I used to listen to MuggleCast, like sometimes I would play it in the car, and oh. she's not like a harry potter fan yeah but she still asked me she's like how's andrew I'm like oh. like i like know you personally that is <laughs> so cute what's your mom's name my name's kathy kathy tell kathy i said hi we'll surprise bet next she's week like, oh my god yeah she just <laughs> loves you she's like andrew is just the best oh, like that's funny. yeah mom's got it oh, okay that's Aww. great that's funny she's a smart lady oh well, thank you, Kelly. It's seriously very nice to hear from one of our Republican listeners, and I mean that because I, I, wa- I wanted to. We've we've always needed to hear your pers- your perspective. So, 
it's nice to hear that. Yeah. You ever need to talk to someone about Republican issues, you want to get a Republican take, you've got my number. All right. Yes, we do. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Have a good night there <laughs> in Louisville. No problem. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, and blocking her number from ever being used again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was waiting for something. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that, that was seriously great. I'm so glad we got around to calling her. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's this thing where, like, you know, I I could tell that she was she was like, okay, I'm going to tell him I voted for Trump, and I could tell she was like waiting. Yeah. For like the barrage, and yeah. and like my thing is. I completely disagree with that point of view. But the fact of the matter is we're not going to be, in my opinion, we will not be able to dig ourselves out of where we are right now. If we sit around shitting on people, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. You're, you're going to further alienate people. And no matter which way you slice it, we need everybody to be able to get us out of this and you can't alienate a segment of the population. Now I'll sit around and talk bullshit on policy all day long, but I think there's a difference between talking bullshit on policy and public figures and talking bullshit on private citizens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, we're human beings. We want to treat each other with respect and be treated Mm -hmm. with respect. And if I'm, if I'm talking to one of my Republican uncles or I'm talking to Kelly, I I want to talk to them like an adult and I'm not going to fight with them face to face. In my head, I might get angry at them. Like I, I get angry at my uncle and, and my brother-in-law on Facebook seeing what they write. But I'm never going to be mean to them in person because we're humans. And like Laura said, if, if, we're, if we're talking like adults at the table... We might be able to solve some issues and settle our Mm -hmm. differences. All right, Matt, do you want to read this email we have today? Sure. All righty. So our email comes from Brittany. I can use her name, right? Because I just did. Yeah, she wrote it. Okay. So Brittany writes, I just wanted to reach out and say a big thank you. I was listening to your latest episode and you all gave me the courage I needed. Recently, my boyfriend asked me to marry him. We had been dating for over eight years, so of course I said yes. The problem is, wedding planning is daunting, well, for me at least. Calling people is way too stressful for getting a venue. I have at least a whole year to plan, but rather get it done so it so it's off my plate. Hearing Elisa say, just call, really helped me get it over with. I emailed them, so it's not really call, but you can't get a sheet of quotes over the phone. And hopefully after that, I can talk on the phone with more serious questions and visits of the venue. Thank you guys, not just Elise, but all of you (laughs) for sharing your struggles. It's good to know sometimes that you are not alone. (laughs) You are not alone and not wanting to call people. Something related to my house today came up. They emailed, oh, can you call me later? I started crying. No, I don't want to call. Please leave me alone. Yeah. And I called and then thank God they didn't answer. And then they called back and then I had to talk to them. But it was a rough like 10 minutes there, but I got through it. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I do understand where Brittany is coming from. Um, I'm obviously not married, but I have been in a couple of wedding parties and just being in the wedding party is incredibly stressful. Um, mm. I was a maid of honor and of an officiant for a couple of friends of mine that I love dearly. 
And that experience was so fucking stressful. So I cannot imagine being the person actually getting married. So I understand your trepidation. And congrats, Brittany. That's yes, exciting. congratulations on your engagement. Uh, don't forget to send us our invitation so we can come and crash it. Surprise, bitch. Wedding edition. <laughs> Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Coming up on After Dark today, we're going to be talking more about bad neighbors. We were talking so much about our own stories last week that we didn't get to any of the stories from our listeners. So we're going to get into those and uh, maybe Matt will have a story or share to, or two to share. And also, I think Laura has a fresh story to share about her terrible neighbor. So we'll get to more of those. That'll be a lot of fun as we cry through dealing with neighbors. I know. Um, so that'll be over at patreon.com slash millennial. And one of our new benefits, if you would like to support us yourself instead of uh, supporting us through our advertisers, the Millennial Patreon will now offer ad-free versions of our show. You can pledge at any level and you will get an ad-free episode every week. There is a RSS feed once you sign up that you can plug into iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and then... Each episode of Millennial, ad-free, and also After Dark and Hashing It Out, will download to your podcast app, just like you listen to any other podcast. It's really great. Patreon.com slash Millennial is where all of that is at. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Beautiful, Beautiful Mr. Bezos. Now, now, Mr. Sincotti, you you might not know this one, but um, it's easy to follow. Hmm? Uh, you have a C for me. Eponim Panamaya Karopushka Yestisis Yesiparcha Pajanetushka Offered vetoes for sale to Mendoza? Wow, shh, the president's singing. Is that why you sat him next to you? Bob, as you said. This is a great song. <laughs> <laughs>